But today we're picking back up in this series called New Year, New You. And last week we talked about this idea that if we're going to experience like a new you in 2013, it's not going to be because of a few tweaks in your life. It's not going to be because you figure out a way to improve your life. And that when you really look at the Word of God and you try to decipher how God might want to change you, God is not in the business of tweaking your life. Did you know that? He doesn't want to just improve you. He wants to change you. And so this week we're going to take it a step farther and we're going to talk about the details of how we might actually experience a a new you in 2013. Now, I'm sure a few of you, for one reason or another, would like to shed a few pounds in 2013. Maybe you just want to be healthier in 2013. Anybody? And you don't have to raise your hands, but, but there are a few of us, right? I mean, I mean, for some reason or another, maybe, maybe there's a little extra weight and the pants that used to fit just don't fit anymore. And, and maybe even you told your husband, I think they shrunk, honey. They were just in the dryer too long. And, and the reality is, is we just, we, you know, we tried to eat the Twinkies before they went out of business and it just didn't work out well for us. And, 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 and even, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody because last night for supper, I ate three donuts and a, and a, a glass of milk. That was, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just not that healthy. I'm just telling you. And so, so here this morning, when we think about this idea of a new you, many of us begin to think about this physical element. How am I going to experience a new me physically? And one of the things that people often do in the new year is there is a detox period, right? Anybody ever detox? It's, yeah, you, you don't want to admit it because it's like, it's no fun, right? But basically your body has all this stuff in it, like those three donuts and then the two ate this morning, five donuts in the last 12 hours that I ate, that probably didn't help my body. And, and so and so we have to begin to eat the proper foods and, and do the things that we need to do, like exercise, so that, so that our body gets rid of all of the bad stuff and replaces the bad stuff with some good stuff, right? And so there's this detox that occurs within our bodies, many of us who want to, who want to improve physically. But, but I want to consider this morning is not just is that should there be a detox physically for us, but what if God wants to perform a detox in your life spiritually? What if what really needs to happen because of the last year and what's happened in your life and all the things that have occurred, may, maybe there's a detox that needs to occur in your life spiritually speaking so that you can experience a new you. What if we need, what if we need a spiritual Detox, And maybe it's a detox that we already know that we need. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've already been thinking about it. And when you made out like some New Year's resolutions or if you were just thinking through your mind and thinking about what does 2013 need to look like. And you started listing things or you started listing them in your mind of, of ways that you want to change your life. You know, how you want to improve yourself and things that need to change. But I, I, I think that also there are areas that maybe we're not aware of. Maybe some things we've grown accustomed to. It's just part of who you are now. You, you've just grown accustomed to it, and, and the people around you have grown accustomed to you. And they see you for who you are, but they also understand that there's some areas that need detox. They wouldn't say it that way, but there's some areas that need some work, some detox. And, and, and I'm the same way. As a teenager, as a teenager, I, I, I had like a really bad mouth on me, and I, I, I didn't use language around my dad, because if I did, I, I, my head would be spinning on a swim. It would be really bad. And so I didn't do that around my dad because I knew better. But for some reason, I didn't even realize it, but for some reason, when I was around my friends, around people who, you know, wouldn't 
get me in trouble for it. I, I just had a filthy mouth and I, I, I didn't realize it. I had no idea. It was just part of who I was at that time. And, 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 and so when I accepted Christ as my Savior and He started changing my language, He started changing the way I communicated, He started changing the way I, I saw things, I would go back to those same friends and hang out with them. And, and these were a couple of people who had accepted Christ at a point in their life. And, and they would tell me, they would say, Nathan, I'm so glad you got saved because I couldn't hardly stand to be around you anymore because you were just cussing way too much. And I was a little offended by it because, because I thought, no, I, that wasn't me. I wasn't that bad. And no, no, Nathan, you were really that bad. You ever had something like that happen where, where you just grew accustomed to it and maybe it was just a part of your life and you didn't even realize that there was a stench about you that other people could smell? And I think there are areas of our life where we need a detox, where we know God needs to work. And I believe there are other areas in our life where we're not even aware of it. We've just grown so accustomed to it. It's just become a part of our life. And we have accepted it as the way it is. And I want to say to you this morning that you don't have to accept that as the way it is. That there can be a new you, not because you're going to improve your life, not because you're going to make some tweaks in your life, but because God is going to radically change who you are. You believe that this morning? You see, in our society, if, if, if we don't eat right, we don't exercise, and our, our blood sugars may be high, our, our blood pressure may be high, we may go to the doctor and they say, you know, you've got some issues, you've got this and this and this. And, and he said, really what you need to do, and this is most of us, right? This is most of us. What you need to do is you need to eat a little bit better than you are now and stay off of all that other stuff. And, and you need to exercise some. And if you do these things, then I think we can sort of maybe reverse some of what's going on in your body. But just in case, here, here are a few prescriptions that you need to go get filled and start taking. And then if you, you like most people, you go home and you get those prescriptions and, and you may even try to eat right for a little while. And, and then you start taking these pills and, and these pills are supposed to offset the bad stuff, right? It's supposed to correct some of the things that are going on. And then before long, most of us, we just accept it as the way it is. Even if we don't feel great, it's just the way it is. And spiritually speaking, some of the same things happen spiritually. Some of the same things happen because we just adapt these things. We, we bring this stuff into our life, spiritually speaking. And then we just think, well, this is just the way it is. And the truth is, is that that is not the way it has to be. That God wants to bring some transformation to your life. And the passage that really speaks about this detox is found in Hebrews chapter 12. It's this idea that God wants to bring a detox to your life, spiritually speaking. And this is how it reads, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every what? Let us lay aside every... And sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now to properly understand what he's saying here in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12. You have to really go back to chapter 11. We discussed this in our life group this morning. That in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it talks about the giants of the faith. I mean people like Abraham and Moses, people like Noah, who God said you need to go build a boat and had never rained before. We're talking about men and women of faith, people who did extraordinary things in faith because they trusted in God. And he lists all of these people. And, and he goes into detail about why there are men and women of faith. And, and then he says, in light of all of these men and women who have walked in faith and done these amazing things, and by the way, they're just like us. 
By the way, one of them was a prostitute, really not that great of a person, but God did something amazing in that person's life. Another one was about 100 years old, and, and God gave that person, Abraham and Sarah, some children and, and, and birthed the, the children of Israel through them. And then there were others like Sarah, and then, and then there was Gideon who, who had this, uh, this amazing army, and all of a sudden God shrunk it down and said, now go win your battle with these people, because I don't want you to think that when you've won the battle that you did it, but I did it. And so God used all these amazing people who were very limited, and then he says, in light of what God has done through these ordinary people just like us, therefore, therefore, we also, I love that because... Because when we read the Bible, typically, typically what we do is we read about Abraham, Moses, we read about Noah, and we think, man, they were, they were giants of the faith. There's no way we can be like them, right? I mean, I, I can never be like Peter except whenever he, you know, slice that dude's ear off. I could probably do that at some point. But, but I can never be like, be like Moses. I can never be like Rahab. I can never be like these people. But it says, therefore, we, we also, he connects us to these giants of the faith. He says, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside every, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is before us. Setting our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know what, you know what this is called? This is called a detox. It's called a detox because he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. It's this one, one part of the scripture, let us lay aside every weight and sin. And, and this is the part where, where the author realizes that God has something great in store for these people. God has something great for in store for them. And so he lays out a whole chapter of amazing things that have happened. Then he says, also, also, you're a part of this group, by the way. You are a part of this group of 11 chapter. You ever thought about that? That you could be a part of that chapter, like the amazing men and women who have done some extraordinary things through faith. You also let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. So let me talk about this for a few minutes because I believe, I believe that God has some amazing things for you in 2013. Do you believe that? I do. I believe God's going to do some amazing things. It's just going to blow our minds and we're going to step back and say, wow, how did that? That's amazing. God, you are absolutely. I can't believe you did that. And I'm looking forward to being a part of that. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through us. And I believe there are three things that we see in the scripture that we have to do as we think about this detox, as we think about getting rid of the stuff that doesn't need to be there, spiritually speaking. The first one is this lay aside every weight. Lay aside every, I like how it says not just lay aside weight, but lay aside every weight. So what is a weight? What is a weight? Anything really that slows you down from running the race God's called you to run. It could be anything. It could be a very good thing, right? I mean, you could have a hobby that is a good thing. You could enjoy playing golf. You can enjoy going and spending time with your friends and that, that's a getaway for you. Or you can enjoy doing whatever. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. But if you have a good thing that's out of balance and it takes you away from what you need to be doing and running the race that God's called you to run, then it becomes a wait. It could be something very good or it could be something that's not so good. But I want you to realize here that he, he distinguishes between a weight and a sin. He doesn't just put them together, but he says a weight 
and this sin which so easily ensnares us. Listen to me, a weight doesn't have to necessarily be a sin. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it becomes something that is out of balance. Something in your life that you're doing that may not be a bad thing, but it's taking you away from the race that God's called you to run. And in doing that, it becomes a bad thing. You see, there are weights in all of our lives, right? The TV could be a weight. It's bowl season. I, I don't like missing a bowl game because most of them are pretty good, except for the Florida game. <clears throat> Sorry, that's a bad game. But, I mean, reality, reality is they're, they're on all the time, and I like to catch them all, but how am I going to catch all the games and, and then not become a weight in some degree? How can that not become a weight? How, how can the things in your life that you enjoy doing not become a weight in your life where it drags you down and it keeps you from running with endurance the race that God has for you? You see, a weight is anything and everything that slows you down. When Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, he said this. He said, everything is permissible for me. This is Paul. He said, but not everything is beneficial. He said, I can do all things. Everything is, is permissible, but everything is not beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. But he said, I will not be mastered by anything. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because you can do it. Someone says, well, I have freedom in Christ. I can do what I want to do. And it really doesn't matter what other people think. That's, that's a load of stuff. That's what that is. Because you were bought at a price and you no longer belong to yourself. But the Bible says you belong to Christ. You were bought at a price. I was bought at a price. I can't just run around and claim this freedom in Christ and do what I want to do just because I can do it. But Paul said, I will not be mastered by anything. And Paul later on said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he also said this idea that, that I will become all things to all people, that I might win some because I am not the primary. Jesus is the primary. And I'm trying to point everybody I can to Jesus Christ. And although I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. And I'm telling you, church, this is, this is something that we don't want to talk about in church. And I, I'm one of them. Because when we start talking about what we can do but we shouldn't do, we start stepping on toes because we all have things that we shouldn't be doing but we can do, but we do them anyway because we get a little bit of fulfillment out of it. But ultimately it leads us to a place where we're not really experiencing life because the Word of God says in Him we live and breathe and have our being. And so that life that we really want is connected to Christ. But when we pursue the things of the world, even if they aren't bad things, they don't lead us to Jesus. I don't think I've ever watched a football game and got through watching the game and got on my knees. Oh, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you just love me so much. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? Anybody else had that happen? I know some of you, after George won, you were like that. You're, oh, thank you, Jesus. I know that. I know, I know. But, but seriously, there are weights in our lives where we need to get rid of. We need to consider this reality that maybe there's some things in our life that are not beneficial Maybe they're not bad. But if you want to experience a new you, you can't just do everything that you feel like doing. You have to do the things that you are focused on that God is going to be glorified through. And so you may need to reevaluate the things that you're doing. And maybe we need to begin to pray and say, God, what's weighing me down? Maybe you just realize things just aren't right, but you're not sure why. And maybe God has something more for you and you know it's there, but, but you can't seem to grasp it. You can't seem to put your arms around it. And then this morning, maybe your prayer should be, God, show me what's weighing me down. 
Because I want to run the race with endurance, but I'm feeling the weight of something and I'm not really sure what it is. And maybe I've just grown accustomed to it. And I don't even realize it's weighing me down. You ever had an ant problem in your house? Okay, just one person. Good, okay, good, good, good. A few of you have. Sometimes we have an ant problem here at the church. Because on Sundays, some people don't throw everything away. And then on Sundays, all the stuff that doesn't get thrown away doesn't, you know, go in a dumpster somewhere immediately. And so the ants just come out of everywhere. And, and, and they'll just be all over the place. And, and we used to have ants as a kid growing up, and we would have ant piles all over the place. And we found that one way to get rid of ants is that you would just scoop up one pile with a shovel and move it over really, really fast, by the way. Or you just get your little brother Jesse to do it and then watch him scream as they were biting him all over the hands. Either way. But you just scoop them up really fast, run over, because they didn't always were right next to each other. So you'd run as fast as you could and try to dump them on top of the other pile. Anybody ever done that? It's evil. You shouldn't do that. I'm telling you, it's evil. But, but when we were children, we used to do that. And, and we would dump them on the other pile. And then you just come back a couple of hours later and you find little black specks. I mean, just hundreds of them all over the place. Basically, they were upset because somebody invaded and they just started fighting each other and they would kill each other. And that was a way to get rid of ants. I tried that in the church the other day, but Peggy didn't like it. She just didn't. I tried to scoop all of them up, go dump them on her desk, and she got really upset with me. And so we bought some glue. We bought this, like, gel stuff. And basically, this is the direction. It says, place the, place the, the gel near the trails without, without disrupting the ants to ensure that the ants take the bait to the nest. Inspect regularly after placing gel. If gel has been consumed and ants are still present, ding, ding, reapply. <laughs> now, now, as I read that this morning, I started thinking, isn't that, isn't that the way the devil works? Place the gel near the trail without disrupting the Christians. To ensure that the Christians take the bait to the nest. Inspect it regularly, and if the jail hasn't been consumed by the Christians, reapply. Right? Some of you thought you were eating candy when you were coming in this morning. Hey, here's the reality. Just like the ants who line up, if you've ever placed this stuff out, really, I mean, they will make a line to get to this stuff because, man, this is it. And they just pile on top of it and they think, man, this is the life. I am getting everything I want. This is great. They take it back to their nest. They take it back to all their buddies. And they don't realize that the thing that they thought was bringing fulfillment to their life was really leading to their demise. And if you're like me, that happens in my life too. Not, not because we realize it's, it's like a bait, it's, it's trap that's been set up for us, but, but it looks enticing, right? I mean, there are some things of this world that look very enticing, and, and, and it begins to pull on the sinful nature within us, and we find ourselves beginning to pursue things and to fall into categories that we shouldn't be, and it's the weight of the world, and if we don't, if we don't stop it, if we don't like begin to pray and say, God, show me the weight, show me the things that are beginning to be appealing that shouldn't be appealing, and I find myself pursuing things I shouldn't be pursuing, and it leads to our leading to leads to us being unhappy. It leads to us being people who don't have any joy when God has said that we are people of joy. You see, it's not just it's not just the weight that the author points out. Lay aside every weight, but then he says, 
and the what? The sin. It's really very simple. doesn't need a lot of explanation. Sin is sin, right? I mean, sin is sin, and, and none of us in here have never sinned before. We, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is, is that probably even in our pursuit of God and everything that we do, there's probably a day when we will sin again. But it's not as though we're we're running out the door saying, I'm looking forward to sinning. I'm looking forward to being the person that God's called me to be, to living that life. But, but he says, lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, I'm talking about we should run from the sin. Not, not just lay it aside, because it, it, what we could do is we can lay it aside, but if we're not careful, we just pick it right back up, right? And we lay it aside on Sunday morning, we lay it aside on Wednesday night, or whatever day it is that we think we're going to lay it aside. And then two days later, it, because we hadn't burnt the bridges, we come back to it, we pick it back up, because there's a bridge that's been built to that sin, and it becomes easy access, and we find ourselves doing it again, and we're upset, and we don't know why we did it, but we have to run from sin. Anybody ever been chased by a dog? Yeah, I've never been chased by a dog. Never. But I was walking down the road one day, and my stepsister was with me. And we were going to the school bus. It was like really, really early because we lived way out in the woods, and we were the first one to get picked up, you know, because it was like, woo, way out there. And so you had to be the first one. And so it was like really, really early. It was dark. We're walking down this dirt, dirt road to get to the other dirt road where the bus picks you up. And, and it was my grandfather's house. And so we're just walking down this road and it's dark. And all of a sudden I hear like this screaming like child right in the woods. I mean, right next to us is like, Aah! like screaming. I didn't know what it was. But I knew one thing. I wasn't hanging around. I would like to say that I grabbed my stepsister and drug her with me. But then I remembered I only have to outrun one person. And I took off. And I didn't even look back. I don't know where my sister was. But when I made it to my grandfather's house, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I made it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but bobcats make that type of sound when they're, you know, in fierce competition with each other. And, and obviously that's what it was. I thought somebody was in the woods, like, killing a baby or something, and I wasn't going to be the next person to die because the baby was, it was just screaming. And, and I was literally running for my life. And I think about this. If, if we are going to have a detox, guys, listen to me. Listen to me. If we're going to have a detox in our life, we can't get as close to sin as we possibly can without sinning and think, okay, I'm going to live right here. It's okay for me because I hadn't quite sinned yet. If we're going to experience a new you in your life, you have to begin to run away from that stuff. You can't play with it. You can't sit it right in front of you and think, well, I'm just going to see if it happens. If it happens, I guess it's God's will. It's never God's will for you to sin. It's never God's will for us to hang on the edge of sin. That's why when God told them to go inherit the land, they had to wipe out everything because he didn't want that people and the gods of the nations that were around them to begin to infiltrate into the, Christian, into the religion that God was setting up. And what happens for all of us, listen, we're all tempted to do this. We are all tempted to, even when we turn away from sin, to remain really close to it. And when I was in college, I, after I accepted Christ, that first summer I was really in a tough spot because I wanted to, I wanted to go back home for the summer and be with my friends. 
But I felt like in my spirit that if I was going to experience the new me, the life that I now had and not go back to the past, not go back to the things that I used to do. I, I just decided in my, in, in my mind that I had to I had to stay there at college. I had to find a job. I just had to start working somewhere there. It didn't matter what I did, but I couldn't go back to the place that I used to be. Not because I didn't want to be around my friends, not because I didn't love my family, not because I didn't had anything wrong with them. But, but it was all about me. It was all about me being in a place where I could grow in my faith and discover who I was in Christ and not go back to a place where I was standing right on the edge of sin wondering if I was going to fall over or not. And some of us need to make that step. Some of us need to stop standing on the edge and begin to run away from it. Some of us need to make the decision that I don't care if I offend somebody. I don't care if somebody gets mad at me. I don't care if my co-workers don't like it because I don't sit around and gossip with them anymore. But I am running away from that stuff and I'm not going to associate with it anymore. And guess what? Somebody might not like it, but guess what's going to happen? You are going to discover who you are in Christ because you're not going to find any fulfillment or satisfaction in that stuff. But you're going to begin to discover who you are. You are in Christ because he is going to fulfill you and he is going to bring the joy to your life. And all of that weight and that sin and that stuff that we begin to wade through in life, our eyes are going to begin to open up and we're going to see things differently. You believe that today? See, in all seriousness, God has called us to lay aside every weight and sin and run the race with endurance. God has a race for you to run as an individual. And you and I cannot run it if we're loaded down with the concerns of this world. If we're loaded down with who's doing this and who's doing that and what's on TV and blah, 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 blah. God has called you to much more than that. And so it's time for us to lay aside the weight and the sin so it easily ensnares us. And there's one more thing that I want to throw in here. One that we, one that typically we, we don't like to do because it's part of our security, but... The third step is we really need to burn some bridges. We really need to burn some bridges. And when I'm talking about burning bridges, what I mean is that when we run away from sin, instead of Ed standing on the cliff and and thinking, I'm not going to fall over, I'm just going to get really, really close to it, I'm going to do what everybody else is doing, but I'm not going to sin. We need to burn bridges. We need to burn bridges so that the devil can't go back and forth and tempt us and try us in that area because we have decided that we are no longer going to be involved in that business. We're no longer going to do that anymore. And therefore, we are lighting a match and we are burning that bridge because I'm not going back to that lifestyle. But what happens is, is just in case, just in case this Christianity thing work doesn't work out, I need a bridge just in case, just in case it's like too hard and, and Jesus is just too much to follow. I might need a bridge where I can go back to my old life. But I want to say to you, you'll never experience the new you if you live those bridges there. But if you begin to burn the bridges because you've decided that I'm going to discover who I am in Christ. I'm tired of living this watered down Christian life. I'm going to become everything God wants me to be. And I'm burning every bridge to the past, to the old life that I used to have. And I am pursuing Jesus with everything that I have. There was a missionary who was in uh, South Africa and he was, he was preaching, just doing everything he could to reach people with the gospel. And so as he was preaching one day, there was a young man by the name of Dolphin who was going to school. He was with his buddies. And he was going to school, and as they were marching along, he, he saw a guy standing on the side who was, 
who was uh, over there playing an instrument. He had a guitar and he looked like a blind man just sitting there playing his guitar. And, and so people started gathering around, just kind of listening to him. And Dolphin was one of those young men as he gathered around this blind man playing a guitar. All of a sudden, the blind man wasn't blind. He picked up a Bible and he started preaching. It was the missionary. And Dolphin immediately started arguing with the missionary. Dolphin was a, he was a Jehovah's Witness. And he had studied the Jehovah Witness religion and he knew it front and backwards and forward. He knew everything about it and he knew how to attack the Christian religion. And so he started attacking the Christian man who was trying to share Jesus with him. And he kept saying, but Jesus loves you and he'll forgive you. And he would begin to attack Jesus and, and make claims about Jesus. And this went on for weeks. For weeks, Dolphin would come by on his way to school, stop and listen to this preacher. And he kept asking him, are you ready to accept Jesus? And he would laugh at him and argue with him back and forth. And then one day, Dolphin finally showed up on his way to school, and he was broken, and he said, he said, I'm ready to accept Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus. The missionary was full of hope and excitement because finally, here was this young man that he had been praying for and sharing the good news of Jesus with, and he was ready to turn his life over completely to Jesus. And so he, in his excitement, he said to Dolphin, he said, Dolphin, if you're really serious about this, if you really want to follow Jesus. You can't, you can't follow Jesus and Jehovah Witness. You have to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. And he says, so what we're going to do, if you're really serious about this, we're going to go to your house. And when we go to your house, I want you to go get all those books that you've been studying, that you've been gaining all this knowledge from that you think is the truth. And I want you to gather them up and we're going to put them in a barrel and you're going to burn those books and you're going to hold on to the Word of God and that's going to be your light and that's going to be your truth. Are you ready to do that, Dolphin? He just stood there for a moment. He didn't, wasn't really sure about that. I mean, he, he, he wanted to follow Jesus, but then to give up all of that and not to have the resources anymore. But then he said, I'm ready. I'll do it. So they got in the car. They drove to Dolphin's house and they loaded up all these books. And this guy was really sharp and he had all of this material. He was, he was really upset that he was going to be burning it. But he also knew that if he was going to turn to Jesus and turn away from the life that he was living, he needed to get rid of those things. And he needed to burn the bridges to the past. And then he said to him, he said, Dolphin, are there books anywhere else that you've been studying, things that are going to lead you back to what used to be in your life? And he said, yeah, there's, there's more books at my grandmother's house, but those books aren't even mine. I don't think I can burn them. I got them from the library. And he said, well, I hate to tell you this, but we're going to have to go get those books and burn them too. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm owe money to them. I, I'll, pay for, I'll pay for it. I'll take care of it. We're going to go get those books. And so they went to his house and they got them. They loaded them all in this big bin, this big uh, trash can. And he lit the match and he gave it to Dolphin. And true story, Dolphin dropped it in there. And the books started burning. And as they were burning, tears started streaming down Dolphin's face. Because there he was making a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, he was burning the bridges to his past. He was burning the bridges to the life he used to live. And he went on to become an amazing man of God, pastoring churches, leading other people to Jesus. Because he didn't stand on the side and leave that bridge open, but because he burned the bridges to his past. And some of us this morning, we need to begin to strike the match. We need to begin to strike the match. We need to run from sin. And then we need to light that bridge on fire and say, I am done with it. I am not going back to it. You know, the Bible said that, that we should flee from the very appearance of evil. 
And if we're going to flee from it, let's not leave a bridge so that the devil can go back and forth attempting us and trying us. Let's burn those bridges to the past and get rid of those things so that we can serve God with everything that we have in our heart. And so this morning, this morning, maybe you've maybe you've already made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe there's been time in your life where where you have laid aside the weight and the sin. But you never burned those bridges. You kept those relationships open just in case. You never really did away with that material that you shouldn't look at because, I mean, who wants to do away with it? I mean, we'll just leave it there for some other time, but I'm really never going to. No, just do away with it. Be done with that stuff. Be done with that lifestyle. Be done with those people. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's not going to hold you accountable for what other people did. He's going to hold you accountable for what you did. He's going to hold us accountable for the life we live. We can't go before God and say, well, God, I didn't want to offend somebody. Listen to me. If it causes somebody to be offended for you following Jesus 100%, then you need to follow Jesus with everything that you have and experience the new you. It's a detox. And it's no fun. But I promise you, if you'll travel down this path of detox spiritually and begin to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily ensnares us, you will begin to discover a life in Jesus that you have never experienced before. Do you believe that? I think you do. But I think at the same time, there's a little bit of hesitancy there. Because you know the the hold that some of that stuff has on you. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I am saying this morning that if you will... Lay aside those weights and those sins. If you will burn those bridges to the past and say, I am completely done with it. I'm not going back to it. God is going to do something in your life. God is going to do something in your life that's going to change you forever and ever and ever. Because you made the decision that I need a spiritual detox. That's me. So as we close this morning... I'm not where you're I'm not sure where you're at as an individual, but I do know I do know that God's called me to run the race that's before me. I know that God's called Paul to run the race that's before him. He's called Bruce to run the race that's before him. He's called Angie to run the race that's before her. Every one of us has a race to run, don't we? And if we're gonna run the race that God's called us to run, and we can be like those people like Abraham and Moses and Jacob, and there's many at Rahab and Sarah, men and women of the faith who did amazing things, but we can't do it if we don't lay aside the weight and the sin and run with endurance. So I want to encourage you this morning as you begin to think about the new you. Maybe you're not aware of what actually is weighing you down, and maybe your prayer today and this week as we move into this week should be, God. Show me what's weighing me down. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's things that you've grown accustomed to and you just need to begin to pray and say, God, what is it that's weighing me down? I'm not even sure what it is, but I know something isn't right. So God, show me what's weighing me down and keeping me from running the race you've called me to run. Or maybe there's some sin, there's things in your life that you know that's there and you've just been turning a blind eye to it. You've been trying to pretend like it's not there, but you know that it's keeping you from becoming the person God wants you to be. And so maybe this week that's what you need to pray about and and begin to burn those bridges so that you no longer go back to what used to be. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close around the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to pray. 
I want to give you an opportunity this morning if you say, Nathan, I'm ready to experience a new me. And there's some things that you talked about that I just need to nail down. I just need to come before God and I need to pray that God's going to open up my eyes and show me the things that are weighing me down. Or maybe this morning there's some sin in your life and and, and it's something that's been going on and you've been neglecting it. You've been pretending. You've been trying to act like it's not there. But you know and I know and God knows and everybody knows that we cannot continue in the relationship God's called us to do when we are willfully turning our back against God and doing what we want to do. God has called us to follow him to run the race. So we're going to gather on the altar and we're just going to close right here and say, God, I want to experience the new me this year.